Hey, everybody. Join us as we delve into our favorite dark tales and paranormal mysteries. Venture with us beyond the safe places that exist in daylight as we go Beyond Beyond the the shadows. Shadows. True crime. Paranormal. Hauntings. UFOs. Cryptids and unsolved mysteries. Conspiracy theories. Past lives. Reincarnation. And all the like are just a few of the topics that we will tackle. If it haunts your fucking dreams, then it will be on our show. Hi, and welcome back to Beyond the Shadows, episode 30. 30? Can you believe it? Big number. No, I can't. No, it's, it's, I know. It's, you guys are still listening. Like 30 episodes. Even more of you yeah. listening, which is awesome. <laughs> so this is going to be another bonus episode. You'll be hearing this on Tuesday. Yeah, um, that's we've done a few. Yeah. yeah, we've dropped a couple at the same time, and we're going to try something different this time, kind of drop it in the middle of the week. and. Yeah, we're just playing around with our yeah. numbers and stuff, so <laughs> you guys get a little bonus uh out of it so hopefully you guys uh like it uh we're gonna change it up a little bit this week and do a different subject matter but we wanted to get into our weekly news story first yeah this is an interesting one (laughs) yeah so they they found a 400 year old grave in uh poland and before i get going to it i i'm curious as where the line is drawn between archaeology and just flat out disrespect like i mean why are you digging up a kid's grave to begin with you know when you sent me this i was thinking the same thing is it archaeology when you're digging up people's graves yeah if i was out in the, like, the cemetery and you got like a loved one they're just digging it up that's not archaeology it's a uh, douchebaggery right <laughs> so, i don't know if they get permission for this or they just start digging shit up and yeah actually that's that's interesting cuz there's graves everywhere around new england yeah. i mean they're not this old but they're they're pushing a couple hundred years old. Yeah, well, and, sure. Uh, yeah, so what, are we just going to start calling that archaeology and yeah, digging them up? <laughs> you know, you, people and, want to put a new house in, and and that happens here. Oh, there are graveyard, family graves everywhere. If you want to put in a new house, my neighbor's got a graveyard in his property. And it's why we didn't get to live there, because my wife said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame so, her. And, uh, and the article did say this was a cemetery, so it wasn't like they were out digging in the woods. They deliberately dug up a grave. But Yeah, a couple of them, it sounds like, from yeah. the article. Uh, so the idea of the story is that they dug up a 400-year-old grave. It was a five- to seven-year-old child. He had been buried face down with anti-vampire mechanisms. Anti-vampire. <laughs> yeah, they said he had padlocks on his feet, right? Yes, yeah. And buried face down, why? So he could only chew on the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, that's what it said. And the grave, The grave diggers. Put it, one him face down so he couldn't chew on them. Probably, Reanimated yeah. is what it said. Wow. I think it was during a different dig. They also found a woman nearby, and she was also padlocked, and they put a sickle around her neck. So like, I think the idea was that if she woke up and tried to sit up, she'd sever her own head. But wow! I mean, if you're that worried about it, well, you need to go to those lengths. Why wouldn't you just cut the head off to begin with? Or, right? Or burn them. Isn't that what they ended up doing with Jason in one of the Friday the 13th? Like, <laughs> cut him into little pieces? That didn't stick. <laughs> no, that didn't work. So that's why they didn't do it. Uh, it's it's crazy th- shit. I think the the first grave they thought was the child's mother, right? Uh, maybe, that, and maybe. possibly that's why they thought that the kid possibly, because the mother they thought was a vampire and the child. Yeah. So, if you think they got all these 
supernatural powers, though, I doubt the padlock's going to get the job done. <laughs> you think that's going to do it? Yeah. He's going to dig himself out of the ground, and the padlock's going to stop him. So so for this bonus episode, we're both going to be giving you a little something. Uh, what are we calling this one, Ryan? Uh, we're going to call this one The Mysteries of the Deep. We like to change it up so things don't get boring. Yeah, so it looks like we're going to be doing a little bit of uh, lake monster, sea monster stuff. Absolutely. All right, guys. We'll see you in a minute. Do you know what the most frightening thing in the world is? So Gloucester, Massachusetts is a seafaring town known for making a livelihood from the sea. So when the locals reported that they saw something inexplicable in the local waters, that word can't be dismissed due to a simple misunderstanding. Gloucester Harbor is located north of Boston on Cape Ann, which juts out into the Atlantic Ocean. The Gloucester Sea Serpent was first spotted by a fisherman and two local women on August 6th of 1817, but their reports were largely ignored. Not long after that sighting, the captain of a local vessel saw the same creature. He saw what he described as something mysterious boggling around in the water. It was 60 foot long with a body composed of humps, each the size of a keg, and a body shaped like a barrel. It was shaped like a horse's head with dark eyes the size of pewter dinner plates. It was black, shiny, and leathery. When he got back to town, he told locals and the other captains what he had seen. He was initially met with skepticism and laughter. That is until others began seeing the same creature. On August 8th, Mrs. Amos Story saw what she thought to be a large tree trunk washed up on 10-pound beach when she suddenly saw it move. On August 10th, it was seen by Lydia Wanson near Rock Neck, and she thought it to be 60 to 70 foot long. Later that same day, William Rowe reported seeing 100 feet of the creature born on the water. Amos' story, whose wife had previously seen the creature, described what he saw, a head like a sea turtle, and much larger than the head of any dog I ever saw. James Mansfield was another who saw the creature, and he reported, quote, His head appeared to be the size of the crown of a hat. The shape of his head I cannot describe, but I saw no ears, horns, or other appendages. Solomon Allen III said I should judge him to be between 80 and 90 feet in length. His head formed something like the head of a rattlesnake, but nearly the size of a horse. <laughs> that seems to be the standard measurement as a horse. Yeah. Then it's funny because some of the ones I did, they use a horse head thing is very, very, well, comes up a lot in yeah. sea serpents. But it's funny how different the lengths they have and i think it could be the exact same creature people get the length wrong on everything if it's out in the water with no like you got no measuring you know there's no trees or anything to give you scale what Uh, people think is 50 feet is a lot less too i mean if you get a two-story building you're talking from bottom to top that's just over 20 feet people think that's a lot higher than that oh for sure you know a two-story house is like 22 23 feet at the most you know but people will call that 50 feet easy so people yeah. just have no concept of – maybe that's, that's why we should be using the metric system. I can't <laughs> On August 14th, there were hundreds of people lining the shores with the hopes of catching sight of the now famous creature, and they were not disappointed. Some had come from as far away as Boston and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which, I mean, that's a hike. This is 1817, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's 
long ways. The serpent was spotted near Ten Pound Island and further out into the harbor, as far away as Pavilion Beach. The body was brown in color and described collectively by witnesses as resembling the joints of wooden buoys on a net rope, like a string of, of gallon kegs 100 feet long. Some described the back as being smooth, but some described bunches on its back and said it undulated up and down like a caterpillar. Others disagreed and said that it swerved more from side to side, as though a snake might do. Hmm. A few observers reported a pair of horns on its head, and some described a forked tongue. Uh, to me, it doesn't hurt the credibility that they're all describing it slightly different. To me, it would be more suspect if all of them were saying the exactly exact the same. same thing. Because yeah. then you're like, okay, they cooked up the story ahead of time. Although there are some or dramatic differences. Or they someone else's story and they're yeah. repeating it. So yeah, actually, when you hear the different stuff, I mean, it does both. You know, you think, oh, well, that could be a moose swimming in the water, yeah. which I think a lot of times people think that's something. But yeah, yeah you, you're, you're right. The more different they are, it I mean, does give there, it. There's a lot of similarities, but yeah, there are differences. Yeah, a lot of differences. Uh, two days later, a witness saw two of the creatures actually playing out in the harbor. Natural science and marine biology was still in their infancy, and while Gloucester was a seaside community and its residents were familiar with the sea, most still accepted that there were likely fearsome creatures well beyond their uh, comprehension residing in the ocean's depths. We weren't too far removed from maps containing pictures of dragons in unfamiliar regions and descriptions like Here There Be Monsters. I mean, we were still at that time. Yep. I mean, for the most part, I mean, the maps aren't like that anymore, but we all accept that there's still crazy shit out there that we can't quite put our finger on so i used to think that this was all crazy you know craziness well when i was a kid of course nessie's the big sea yes. monster yeah. and we all believed in nessie but then you as you get older you start to think well this shit's not real then you see some of these videos on youtube that, that i've talked about it before there's one where they think it took a manatee to yeah. see it's the creepiest thing i've ever seen I'm afraid of the water anyways, and whatever was in that water wasn't something I'd ever seen before. I believe there's sea monsters of some sort out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, so we're not going to know everything that's out in the ocean. We don't know shit about our ocean. Nope. Uh, the region was only just beginning to get back on its feet following the devastation of the War of 1812. Then in 1815, a volcanic eruption in Indonesia disrupted weather uh, worldwide, and New England experienced what was called the year without a summer in 19, excuse me, 1816. Temperatures plummeted in the region, with it even snowing in July. Crops froze to the ground or failed to grow at all, causing great devastation of the region. This was a time where many still believed such events couldn't be explained were brought about due to the mistakes of man, so some even saw the arrival of the serpent as a harbinger due to man's behavior. Uh, the newly formed... If that was the case, we'd be loaded with them now. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> His behavior hasn't gotten better. <laughs> They'd be all around Washington. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> the newly formed Linnaean Society, I think I'm saying that right, of New England, named for the 18th century Swedish botanist Carolus Linnaeus, who developed the first methodical classification of plants and animals, decided to investigate the recent sightings. They thoroughly interviewed witnesses and examined evidence and came to the conclusion that it was highly likely that a sea serpent had indeed visited the region recently. On September 27th, a three-and-a-half-foot creature was discovered and killed via spear near Loblolly Cove, about four miles from Gloucester Harbor. The creature was thoroughly examined, and it was determined that it was likely the offspring of the creature seen in the harbor. 
members concluded that the serpent itself must be captured. Not long, a- not long afterwards, a skilled marksman fired at the creature and was positive he had scored a hit, but there was no discernible effect. Captain Richard Rich, uh, you know, Dick Rich to me would be an <laughs> awesome porn name. <laughs> Rich Dick, Dick Rich. Yeah. Like Dick it. Rich, great. Not, not so much Dick Poor. <laughs> yeah, that guy ain't getting laid. <laughs> It was a well-regarded and highly experienced whaler, and he was encouraged to put together a team to hunt down the beast. He waited for conditions that mimicked those on the previous occasions that the serpent had been seen, and a report came in on one such day that the creature had been spotted near Anasquam Bar. He was convinced upon first laying eyes on the creature that it was at least 100 feet long. He tried and failed on multiple occasions to capture or kill his prey. On September 6th, he again sighted what he thought to be the beast and fired his harpoon on target. When the beast was hauled on board, it was discovered to be a horse mackerel, what would today be known as an Atlantic bluefin tuna. As Rich later explained, he had been deceived by the behavior of the fast-moving fish, which broke the surface as it plunged ahead, leaving in its wake a series of prominent ripples on the water's calm surface, looking not unlike the bunches described by earlier witness. The baby serpent was discovered upon dissection to be a common black snake, and the humps on its back were actually tumors. The story had been debunked to a great many and the Linnaean Society in its great embarrassment about its handling of the case they folded not long afterwards. But, you know, to me, is the, uh, sto- is the story really debunked? A black snake with tumors? Yeah. But I mean, I mean just because the creature that Rich ultimately killed turned to be out to be a tuna, he chased and went after it on multiple occasions and lost sight of it. Just because of what you ended up killing doesn't necessarily mean that that's what everybody was seeing. Right. You fucked up and killed a tuna. It doesn't discredit the whole story. Hmm. It seems to me unlikely that hundreds of witnesses, including all those experienced uh, mariners, all misidentified a tuna as being a hundred foot serpent. It's not their first day on the ocean. No. You know, yeah. they know what they see on a regular basis. One or two people I can get, hundreds of people saw a, a serpent up to 100 feet. And I mean, they weren't seeing it if you're going to get into expertise, I mean, the people who make their living on the ocean, in the water, that see stuff on a daily basis are going to be better judges of it than just oh, some, for sure. you know, they, they know what they see regularly and what something that's out of the ordinary. Yeah. To even just him. He on multiple occasions made attempts at it and lost sight of it. So when you finally killed the tuna, that doesn't mean you were always chasing the tuna. Right. So I I definitely don't consider the story debunked because of the outcome. Uh, Who knows? I mean, I wasn't there to see it, but it seems likely they were seeing something that we don't know. Yeah, no kidding. Anyway, that's the story of the uh, Gloucester Sea Serpent. Uh, That's That's a good one. I hadn't heard of that one. There's so many. Yeah. All right, so the next story is about Ogopogo. Nice. That's just a cool name. It it is a cool name. It's not the original name, but it's what the name is now. Ogopogo. Scott just changed it. Let me fuck it up real quick. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess this episode is brought to you by Miller Lite. (laughs) 
Hooked on products. Yeah. <laughs> Ogopogo is a lake monster known to inhabit the waters of the Okanagan Lake in British Columbia, Canada. Okanagan Lake is a, the largest of five interconnected freshwater lakes in the Okanagan Valley. Named after the First Nations people who first inhabited the area. The lake was created when melting glaciers flooded a valley 10,000 years ago. It stretches for 127 kilometers, or kilometers, 79 miles, and has a maximum depth of 232 meters, or 762 feet. That's a big-ass lake. Yeah, it is. And the average depth of 75.9 meters, 250 feet. The lake monster has been mostly described as being a serpentine creature with smooth, dark skin with a body thicker than a telephone pole and being up to 50 feet in length. The monster has said to move at incredible speeds, coiling its body in vertical undulation and propelling itself with a powerful tail. It has also been described as a multi-humped serpentine beast with the head of a horse, snake, or sheep. Now, we mentioned that in your story. Yeah, that the, yeah this is a standard, standard thing, I think. Yeah. The head of a horse is so odd. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why I think some of, the, some of it is misrepresentation. What I think a lot of – because you hear them and they'll be like, it's a horse or it's a sheep head or whatever. I think some of those ones are actually moose. They could be. Because yeah. moose swim across oh, the yeah, water. Yeah. And I could tell you a story about a moose coming across the water. Yeah, up, up the, the camp of Maine, I've seen uh, moose in the lake before. And with the wake behind them, the way the head pops up over the water and then the wake behind them, I mean, you could easily You would think that was something. And if you're misinterpreting else. how far away it is. Yeah. But I'm not necessarily saying that's what all of them are no. for sure. But, you know, but definitely some of them. There's a lot of grainy pictures of, of a lot of these these monsters and serpents and whatnot, though. And, and from some of the pictures I've seen, it does kind of look like a horse head, you know? It does. Yep, yep it does. So sightings of Ogopogo were, report, were first reported by European settlers in 1872. Susan Allison made the first detailed Ogopogo encounter. She was the first non-native person to live in the region. Establishing relationships with the native people, she reported seeing the creature soon after moving to the area. But Susan wasn't the first to see the creature. Before European fur traders arrived in the valley in 1809, the people of the First Nation, or the Okanagan people, had the, been living in the area for at least 12,000 years. They had their own laws, justice system, and beliefs. Chief among them was the importance of the water, represented by, this is what his name originally was, if I can get this right, Enhaha Itku, which means the sacred spirit of the lake. Ogopogo's much easier yeah. to say than that. <laughs> we'll go with that. They believed it existed in two forms, a spiritual form and a physical, tangible form, which was embodied by the lake itself. Sometimes, though, the spirit would reveal itself from within the lake. Pioneers were soon telling stories of a serpent in the Okanagan Lake that needed a live animal sacrifice to appease it to ensure safe passages, passage across the water. Once the idea of the bloodthirsty serpent took hold, it grew out of control. Settlers began patrolling the lake with guns because they were nervous the beast would attack. 
By the 1920s, cooler heads prevailed. Tourism officials named the creature Ogopogo after a catchy English folk song whose lyrics included, His mother was an earwig, his father was a whale, a little bit of head and hardly any tail, and Ogopogo was his name. So Enhaha Iku was transformed from a revered spirit into a cartoon-like creature that would lure tourists. Sightings of the creature continued, however. While driving on Highway 97 in 1968, Art Folden noticed something moving in the lake. He pulled off the road and filmed what he claimed to be footage of the alleged creature, showing a large wake moving across the water. Folden estimates that the Ogopogo was 300 yards offshore. In the 1980s, a local tourism agency offered a cash reward for a proven sighting of the beast. Greenpeace announced that it must be filmed and not captured, and the Ogopogo was listed as an endangered species. So they were they actually put this uh, ad out there for people to go out to they actually they were going to go out and harpoon or <laughs> do whatever they could to catch this That's beast. That's the first thing people come Yeah, they got to kill it. I right? don't know what that is, but it's going to die. It's going to die <laughs> for sure. So to stop it, they actually made it an endangered species in case somebody actually did come across it. They didn't want them to kill it. So Makes sense. So Ogopogo is on the endangered species list. But we don't even know what species it is. We don't know what it is. No, It could be a moose. It could be a... It could be a sea serpent. Later that year, around 50 tourists watched an alleged Ogopogo for about 45 minutes off a beach of Kelowna. Larry Thale, a tourist from Vancouver, shot some 8mm film. Some skeptics have suggested that it was only a pair of otters. And that's the thing with these, you know, when you're filming something, you can't, on the water, it's really hard to tell distance and size and stuff like that. So, it's... Which doesn't make it less credible. It just makes it easy for other people to say, no, bullshit, that was otters, you know? Having spent a lot of time on a lake, though, you can see how easy it is to misinterpret. I think a lot of these things are true, for sure. But, like, the wake of a boat and the waves, and it it makes shit hard to judge how far, what's going on. It does. How big the creature is. Yep. Or whatever it is. In 1989, John Kirk reportedly saw an animal which was 35 to 40 feet long and consisted of five sleek jet black humps with a lashing tail. He believed it to be traveling around 25 miles per hour, which is moving in the water. That's all. Yep. On July 24th, 1992, Paul DeMera videotaped something or some things that were traveling just below the surface of the water at a fairly good speed, around five miles per hour. A boat towing a water skier suddenly appeared in frame, and the skier falls into the water near the object. Oh, man, screw it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Within several minutes, Damara made two other videotapes, each showing what appeared to be multiple animals in the water. Benjamin Radford suggested that the creature were only several otters. Once again, they're saying it was otters in the water. In August 2008, a local photographer... Sean Villaroya and his girlfriend, Jessica, were sitting by the go with it. When I keep going, you just pretend it's right and you go along. He unsubscribed. (laughs) They're all going to by the end of this. Sons of bitches. (laughs) 
Jessica was sitting by the lake shore of Peachland as she noticed a disturbance in the water. Sean snapped one photograph, but his camera had died and wasn't able to capture more. Sean even publicized it, but described it as having black hump-like ridges. Eight days later, south of the original sighting, Sean pulled his car over to look at the Highway 97's widening project, and Jessica spotted another disturbance. He snapped 11 photographs of the unknown object as it was surfacing near a boat. However, Sean has only released three to four, three or four of the images to the public. One of them shows a tail or neck-like object surfacing from the water, while the other shows the back and head of the creature. Sean estimates the creature being 18 to 20 feet long. In September 2018, there were reportedly three sightings, one of which was described as a giant snake that was about 15 meters or 49 feet long. So I went online onto uh, YouTube to look to see if I could find any videos of Ogopogo. There's a video out there, and there's a kid out there on a... What do they call one of the standing boards? The yeah. uh, what are those? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but anyways, he's sitting on it, and there is some like it looks almost like a wave at first, but it's those undulating things yeah. that they're talking about, and you see something come out of the water that looks like a flipper, and this this thing is like between this kid and his dad who's recording, and. It's some crazy footage. I said, I'll try to post that. I don't know how fast you can move on one of those things, but I would be hauling ass. Oh, yeah. I think I would have never been out there in the first place. <laughs> if there's a chance, there's an Ogo Pogo. There's no Scott in the water. Ogo no go. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, that video is, it's actually a really good video. I've seen somebody describe it saying it was just some type of wave that happens when the different, you know, temperatures in the water or whatever. Yeah. But because it's really long, I mean, if this was something, it's really long. But other than just the wave, you see something come out of the water. It really does look like a flipper of something, you know. So yeah, I don't know. But yeah, that's one of the uh, Canadian sea- lake monsters. So yeah, that's a good one. All right. So next up, I'm going to do uh, Champ, which is a big one here in uh, New England. Uh, Lake Champlain is the largest lake in the Adirondack Mountains. It measures 125 miles long and is bordered by Vermont in the east, New York in the west, and Canada to the north. It's perfect for fishing, boating, and hunting lake monsters. The creature thought to inhabit the lake has been known for as long as mankind has been in the area. The Abenaki and Iroquois have long lived in the area and hunted and fished around Lake Champlain. They knew the lake to be inhabited by a large horned serpent that resembled a giant snake. They called the creature Gittescog. When French explorers arrived in the area in the early 1800s, the Abenaki warned them about disturbing the waters of the lake. The lake was named after explorer Samuel de Champlain, who is sometimes credited with being the first European to see the creature, but this is highly doubted today. The source of this claim has been traced to a 1970 issue of the magazine Vermont Life, which claims that Champlain documented a 20-foot serpent. This as a barrel with a head like a horse, he is supposed to have said. 
There is, however, no evidence in any of his writings that he ever said this. He did describe fish that he had seen as such, and these are his words. There is also a great abundance of fish of many varieties, among others, one called by the savages of the county Charafaro. Could you repeat that? Charafaro. <laughs> if it was wrong, I screwed it up both times the same way. <laughs> Can somebody check into that for me? I don't want to be the only one fucking up every word I say. <laughs> uh, Charafaro varies in length, the largest being, as the people told me, eight or ten feet long. I saw some five feet long, which were as large as my thigh, the head being as big as my two fists, with a snout two feet long and a row, a double row of very sharp and dangerous teeth. Its body is, in shape, very much like that of a pike, but it is armed with scales so strong a dagger could not pierce them. Its color is silver-gray. It is believed that he was describing a fish of the gar class, which includes lake sturgeon known to still inhabit the lake today. Uh, so that's definitely probably what he was describing, but an eight-to-foot sturgeon is plausible, but that's a big fish, Yeah, very, very big fish. A lot of them, sturgeon's one of the things they claim for a lot of different, yeah. you know, lake lake monsters for that's sure. That's a scary, you know, you're swimming on a freshwater lake, a 10-foot fish, holy shit. Sturgeons get huge. Yeah, they do, they do. There was one caught when I was a kid, right over here, like the next town over, and... uh some guy caught it was like a ten or twelve foot long surgeon in that small creek. Yeah, you know, and he pulled it out of the water and got in all kinds of trouble because it was an endangered species. <laughs> <laughs> he beat it to death. Thought he was going to make the headlines. Yeah, he was in the paper for sure. <laughs> he made the police log. He and definitely stuff. made the paper for killing a rare sturgeon. <laughs> uh, the sightings of Champ, as the creature became affectionately known, have continued since then, well into modern day. An article from the Plattsburgh Republican actually mentions my first uh, sea creature alongside Champ in an 1819 report titled The Cape and Serpent on Lake Champlain. A man said to be named Captain Crumb had sighted an enormous serpentine creature on the lake that he estimated to be 187 foot long, which is awkwardly specific. That's a lot bigger than the... A lot bigger than the 20 foot they said earlier. Yeah, but you're given an estimate. How do you arrive at that? <laughs> just round up, man. Or something. <laughs> Not 200. No, that's, that's too big. Uh, it wasn't 186. Uh, 150? No. <laughs> and he also estimated it was approximately 200 yards away from him. He said the creature's head reached up to a height of about 15 feet out of the water. I mean, that's just huge. That's so high up out of the water. That would have to be just a gigantic. Yeah, I don't even know, like, how that would work, like, scientifically. You showed, like, a uh, side view, like, how the hell you would get his head that far out of the water. I don't know how that would work. Um, He also said that he saw it being pursued by two sturgeon and a billfish. He said that it had three teeth. Eyes the color of peeled onions <laughs> with a belt of red around its neck and a white star on its forehead. Uh, okay. <laughs> this dude is just given for me way too much detail yeah. at an extreme distance. So that, uh, he had a star on his head. It, yeah. had three, it was a hillbilly fucking <laughs> three teeth. <laughs> From 200 yards away, he's given all that detail. I'm like, come yeah, on, little... bro. Wow. Uh, 1873 proved to be a very big year for Champ, as there were four very distinct sightings that made headlines. 
First, the New York Times reported that a group of men working on the railroad had seen the head of an enormous serpent sticking out of the lake. It had bright silvery scales, and the men observed it for several minutes before it disappeared. In July, Sheriff Nathan H. Mooney spotted the creature and said it was about 110 yards from shore. It appeared to be about 25 to 30 foot in length, and he said he could see round white spots inside of its mouth. About a month after the Mooney sighting, the steamship W.B. Eddy encountered Champ by actually running into him. The collision was jarring and the ship nearly capsized, according to the passengers on board. Finally, that same month, a Burlington marble mill worker named J.P. Farmer told the Burlington Free Press he saw a marine monster while fishing in Shelburne Bay. He described the creature as an animal with a brownish body, seemingly from 12 to 15 feet in length and having a large head in the shape of a bullpout. I don't know what the hell a bullpout is. A bullpout. Okay. I'm assuming that's a fish. I don't know. Bird? I've never heard of that. Yeah, it might be. Showman P.T. Barnum caught wind of some of these sightings of Champ, and ever the promoter that he was offered large rewards for its capture in 1873 and again in 1887. He was prepared to pay $50,000 for the hide of the great beast. Now, $50,000 in 1873 would be the equivalent of $1.3 million today. Wow. And those of you that don't know who that is, that's the Barnum and Bailey Circus guy. Yes. Very big promoter. Yeah, they were into a lot, you know, a lot of that stuff back then. Uh, Perhaps the most famous sighting took place on July 5th, 1977. Bristol resident Sandra Manzi was enjoying the day by the lake with her family, watching her kids play in the water, when she saw a creature emerge from beneath the lake surface. She took out her Kodak Instamatic and shot what is quite probably the most famous picture of Champ to date. It's a somewhat blurry image, but definitely depicts something snake-like on the surface of the lake. Uh, you guys should look that up. It's a, I shouldn't say completely convincing, but it's a solid photograph, and you can't look at that and say it's a log or something. I mean, there's something there. Uh, the photo has been investigated multiple times by photography experts, and, and it has not been tampered with. That's essentially all they can say. They can't say what's in the picture, right. but she didn't cheat it. Like, it's a legit photo of something. Uh, what's in the image is up for debate. But there's no doubt that Manzi herself, what she thought she saw that day, and this is a quote, I think I saw some kind of dinosaur that day, Manzi said. It wasn't a fish. No fish can hold itself up six to eight feet out of the water. Sightings continue up until present day. Champ is now a protected species in both New York and Vermont, and attempting to harass, capture, or harm the creature is punishable by law. Champ has been sighted over 600 times over the years and is widely accepted by cryptozoologists as a real creature. He has been covered in countless TV programs and researched extensively. Some experts do feel it is likely a sturgeon, which can grow quite large, over 300 pounds, and live up for 150 years. But this explanation doesn't satisfy many. The descriptions of many of the sightings do not suggest sturgeon, but more likely a dinosaur descendant. Perhaps even a plesiosaurus. A plesiosaurus. You know, a sturgeon ain't sticking its head out of no. the water. It's yeah, a it, fish. it is a big fish, but they don't poke their it's, head out of the water. No, yet. it's a giant fish. It could make a wake. And look at the uh, Sandra Manzi picture. That ain't no sturgeon. No. Don't know what it is, but I can tell you what it isn't. Right. Uh, anyway, if you guys have seen anything about any of these stories or have any thoughts, follow-up questions, anything, write in beyondtheshadows207 at gmail.com.
Yeah, I mean, Champ is a that's a really big one. That's probably the biggest one in North America. You know, that's yeah, the I biggest so. one around. Probably that's our Nessie. the most famous. Yeah. yeah. So, well, that's a good one. All right, we got one more for you guys. <laughs> All right, so for our last creature, we got another one coming out of Canada. Nice. Seems like Canada seems to be loaded with creatures. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They I mean, some good crypto, uh, Champ is part. There, that's yeah. in Canada too, right? That. That lake yeah, goes the up lake extends Canada. to Canada, yes. Yeah, so Champ could be Canadian. <laughs> All right, so this one is Caddy. This is a Cadborosaurus, shortened to Caddy by journalist Archie Willis, is a sea serpent found in the region of the Pacific coast of North America. Its name is derived from Cadboro Bay in Greater Victoria, British Columbia, and the Greek word... Saurus, meaning lizard or reptile. European colonists of coastal British Columbia, Canada, and Washington in the United States claim from the 1880s onward to witness a large sea monster in the region's coastal waters. Caddy was first seen by the First Nation people off the coast of Vancouver Island. People who claim to have seen the Cadborosaurus Describe it as looking like a snake with coiled or hump parts stacked vertically behind a head that looks like a horse's head, once again. It has a long neck, small front flippers that can be lifted up, and either two back flippers or two webbed back flippers stuck together to make a large fan-like tail that help it move. Now, if you think about that, it's like... uh, like a sea lion. Yeah. You know how they got the fins that are real close together? That's yeah. how they described it. <clears throat> in Alaska, there's a traditional image that matches Caddy's description, and it suggested that Caddy, or a similar creature, heads north to Vancouver when the waters get warmer. The Inuit people of Alaska have even placed this image on their canoes to ward off the creature and keep it away. According to Dr. Paul Lebon, LeBlanc, who leads Earth and Ocean Science at UBC, and Dr. Edward Blousefield, a retired top zoologist from the Canadian Museum of Nature, people have suggested various long animals as potential explanations for caddy. These creatures include the conger eels, humpback whales, elephant seals, ribbon or oarfish, basking sharks, and sea lions. However, LeBlanc and uh, Blossfield argue that none of these known animals match the specific characteristics reported in over 200 sightings collected over the century. It actually, they said 200. When I was researching it, I actually found there was over 300 reported sightings. In the 1930s, there were ongoing reports about the sea creature. However, it gained significant attention in the decade when a clerk from British Columbia uh, legislature and his wife reported seeing something strange while sailing. Major H.W. Langley, who was on the boat, described the creature they saw near the front of their boat as having a greenish-brown color. This publicized encounter did more than just inform people about a potential sea creature in the area. It also inspired other eyewitnesses to share their own experiences. Right after Langley's account, 
F.W. Kemp, an official at the British Columbia Archives, talked about what he and his family saw. They were sitting on the Chatham Island Beach in British Columbia, where they witnessed an extremely long serpent-like creature gliding across the waters. Kemp estimated it to be more than 80 feet long. One of the most notable and perhaps most captivating incidents took place in October 1937. Workers who were in the process of harvesting blubber from a sperm whale in Naden Harbor, British Columbia, stumbled upon a highly unusual discovery inside a whale's stomach. Photographs of the discovery closely resembled the description from earlier eyewitness accounts. However, upon analysis, the tissue of the carcass, it was determined that it was, in reality, a young baleen whale not the mysterious creature that had been speculated. Now, there's pictures of this out there. When you see this, it came out of the stomach of a whale. Yep. It looks like a sea creature, man. It's got the, you know, a whale obviously has got the vertebrae or whatever. Yeah. But it, the way that it's bent from being in his stomach, it's got the undulating whatever, and the head looks like a horse's head. It really does. I'll post the picture onto our social media. But it, once again... You know, that head. Yeah. But when they did the analysis on it, they said it was a baleen whale. So in unexplained marine creatures, clearly the horse's head is like the uh, football field and UFO lore. Just, right. It's just standard language. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> One of the most thrilling pieces of evidence in recent time surfaced in 2009 when an Alaskan fisherman captured what it, he insists is actual footage of the Cadborosaurus. However, the image extracted from his shaky videos are unclear and grainy, raising doubt about their credibility. The existence of the Cadborosaurus remains uncertain. Nevertheless, the people in the Pacific Northwest still report sightings and actively search for the mythical sea serpent. So I pulled this one up on YouTube, too. And there's quite a few videos of uh, claimed caddy. Yep. Um. I think, like with Ogopogo, there's some more. I think the videos are better. You know what I mean? There, there's some of Caddy, and there's some stuff that'll leave you scratching your head. But there's other stuff that's actually somebody actually said one of the videos they said was Caddy, and it literally was a moose because it came. You're watching it go across the water, like what the hell is that? Yeah. And then it actually they show it run up out of the water, and it's a moose. Yeah. And that's that's the one thing when yeah, you're looking at film, it, and it was like. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're looking at it in the water, you see that head going across the yeah. water, you know. But all of them have very similar, you know, we're talking four different sea, you know, sea and lake monsters They're that we talked pretty about. similar for sure. So out of the two you researched, we'll do our one to ten scale or what have you, what, uh, which one would you say is more likely to be legit? Although they both sound like they're very plausible. I have to go off of the footage that I saw. And the footage that I saw uh, – the videotape of uh, supposed Ogopogo, that tape was pretty – it left me scratching my head. Yeah. And the other ones I've saw, some of them look decent. Other ones I think they could be like what they said, you know, like maybe an otter. Maybe this is something, you know, a fish under the – you know, when you're not seeing something big above the surface, it could yeah. be just about anything. But I think – I don't know. The problem is – like I said before, people get the length and size of things wrong so often. 
for sure. And they I don't think- realize how 20 feet compared to 50 feet. Yeah. But at the same time, when something's in the water and you don't know how far away it is, you know, you can't tell distance on a flat surface like that. No, in a lot of these videos, there's nothing from like the land to put it in a scale. So right, got, you have like, no zoomed, reference You've points. got a zoomed-in picture of a lake, and I, I can't tell if I'm looking at something that's poking six inches above the water or three feet because it's just nothing to give it scale. It could be something that looks really far away, so it looks huge, and it could be a loon. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, it could be some sort of bird in the water, and that's that long-looking neck. So, bird with a horse head, though. Right, with a horse head. <laughs> a, horse, a horse bird. And uh, <laughs> I mean, for so many different things, it could be. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, I think I was more doubtful about whether they could be real or not until I saw one of the videos that I saw. And I'm going to look for it. I can't put it on Instagram where most of our people are at, but I can post it on Facebook. And it's a video of some sort of sea creature wrapping around. You can't really tell. It looks like it's taking a manatee. And you can see the lady in the boat actually lets out a scream. You know, and it's yeah. one of the most, it's, the footage is, just baffles me. For me, it's the most realistic video I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's something in the water. It isn't small. It's black on the top. The bottom is white. But when it wraps around this thing, it's snake-like. But it's so big. You know, so, I mean, that one has got me thinking, shit, man. People have been claiming this stuff for hundreds of years. There's some creepy shit out there. I, I like swimming at the beach and shit, but swimming out in the middle of the open ocean does not interest me in the slightest. Oh, not at I'm all. I'm always going to be worried about what creepy ass shit is going to pop up. There's sharks you know? out there. Fuck that. You know, but, but another thing people say about, uh, sometimes they talk about why were so many of these sightings uh, in the distant past, especially when you're dealing with the ocean sightings as opposed to day, today. And I think the uh, the explanation you most often hear is that in the days of the past, the ships were largely silent. You know what I mean? So on a sailboat, isn't going to come up and scare a serpent away. I never really thought but about But today's that. boats with their loud engines and shit, of course, whatever was there is going to be long gone before you get there. And a lot of the reports you hear today are from guys like out in the middle of the ocean on a sailboat and shit. They'll have big-ass whales. I remember right. a couple years ago, I forget where it was, but I heard a guy on a sailboat talking about how a big-ass, uh, one of the big squids, like the... Oh, monster yeah, yeah. squids popped up like under his boat and he looked over the side and there's like this dinner plate eyeball staring at him and that stuff is plausible because there's no sound yeah, goddamn cracking come out know. that is some boat. scary ass shit but yeah. I, I think that makes sense you don't see him as much now because everything's so friggin loud they're gonna be long that's gone true they, they hear something coming they don't know what it is they're yeah, gone of course yeah any any creature is gonna bounce when they any and if, and if i saw them all. i'm gone <laughs> oh, yeah. i avoid the ocean as much as possible i'll go to the beach but i ain't going in the water <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're like roy scheider from jaws yes <laughs> uh so hopefully you guys uh liked this week's uh special episode um yeah and uh we're gonna take it to the fire pit All right, this fire pit's coming from Big Ben. Hey, it's good to be back in the fire pit. I have another story for you. When I was a baby in 1980s Queens, New York, basically a newborn, I had gotten really sick. 
and my mom, my aunts, and family are telling me, I just got this bad fever, and I was just in constant pain. And they brought me to the doctors, and the doctors weren't sure. They thought it was one thing, they thought it was another, but I was burning up and getting worse. My grandmother is from Ecuador. My mom was born in Ecuador. I'm first generation. In Ecuador, they still do a lot to believe in voodoo, paranormal, mystical things. It's still very much real there, even to this day. So my grandmother, you know, the same way you would take a, a temperature with a thermometer, does a, some kind of ritual with an egg and cracks the egg. The egg shows and uh, turns the yolk into what looks like an eye. And that's a sign that I had been cursed. There was an evil eye on me. And, you know, I never got the part of the story where it came from. But that was what they said. And my whole family immediately started praying. And they got me to a priest. And they did uh, another ritual. That I don't know the name of it, but ultimately this ritual healed me. From a very young age, I was exposed to the supernatural world at that point. As an adult now, I've got the evil eye sigil tattooed on my body, and I wear the necklace basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just because you never know when someone may want to curse you. <laughs> Another crazy story yeah. from Bad, man. That's, that's not. I mean, as a baby, he's already pissing people off. He's getting yeah. cursed. Cursed as a baby. I've been cursed at quite. All the time. Yeah, it's pretty normal for yeah, us. a few evil eyes, too, probably. <laughs> we appreciate the story, Ben. And, hey, Ben's got a movie in the works right now. It's uh, Meth Gator. Check that one out, too. Yeah, that sounds badass. <laughs> it's like, going to be like fun. like Cocaine Bear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, you guys write in with your own stories. Uh, if you've got any, please, uh, to be on the shadows, 207 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can hit us on any of our social medias. We're on every one of them. It's Beyond the Shadows, Instagram. Uh, Facebook, all of them. I'm going to go through them all. You know them. We're on them. <laughs> so we appreciate it, guys, and we'll catch you on the next one. All right, later, guys. Hello, Beyond the Shadows listeners. I am Rachel. And I'm Heather. We are the hosts of Like Mother, Like Murder. We bring you the good, the badass, and the crime. Each week, we bring you stories from missing and murdered to survivors and women who empower you. And of course, some mom talk sprinkled in. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts at Like Mother, Like Murder. And give us a follow on social media so that we can say hi. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye.